Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Kind of what I want people to take away from this would be that you should try to eat less processed foods that are processed in a way that makes them hyper palatable and increase the amount of fat and carbohydrate in it and try to avoid added sugars, right? I think that's a good takeaway there. And also increase your protein and try to walk after meals. Um, those are just a few kind of suggestions that I always pose to people. I feel like people, when they talk to me about health and nutrition, they're expecting me to like give them a whole litany of stuff to just go off and do, but I don't feel like that's helpful. I think what's helpful is starting at the lowest, you know, bar, um, and kind of helping them along the way and seeing how they're pro you know, how they do and how they overall improve the quality of their life, which is changing up the small things. And then if you want to start working out more or maybe increasing the amount of protein that you're eating and then increase the amount of protein feedings, then we can do that down the line. But the main focus should be just to get healthy. What is up everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> All right. What's going on, everybody? Um, this is going to be episode number 139. Um, make sure you are liked, subscribe, Anywhere and everywhere, Rumble, Odyssey, YouTube, even though I got a strike there right now, um, audio platforms, you name it. Check out the show sponsors, LMNT. Go to element, drinklmnt.com slash in liberty and health, all one word, and you will find the world's best electrolytes there. And don't forget to get you some supplements to help you get, you get all uh, <laughs> jacked and tan. Um, go check out Axe and Sledge. Use code Matovic10, M-A-T-O-V-C-I-K-1-0 at checkout to get yourself a little bit of discount and let Axe and Sledge know that I sent you their way. So speaking of being jacked and tan, today we're going to be talking about the FDA guidelines that are proposed, my thoughts on them, 
and um, everything kind of like that. And we're also going to talk about the average American's diet and my thoughts surrounding that as well. And perhaps what we should do going forward and maybe some tips and advice that you could use in your daily life to make um, your physical being a little bit better and perhaps rid you of some disease uh, going forward or prevent any kind of disease going forward. So, um, you know, I'm definitely not a doctor of any sort, but, um, you know, I just happen to know a lot about fitness and health and I've read a lot of research. So um, without further ado, let's kind of do a little bit of a screen share here and we will get on to the articles here. So what is a healthy food? The FDA wants to change the definition. Salmon's in, sugar yogurt is out. Um, the Food and Drug Administration unveiled a new proposal on Wednesday that would change the criteria for which packaged foods the agency considers quote-unquote healthy in an attempt to modernize its approach to nutrition and reduce the burden of diet-related diseases. Currently, about 5% of all packaged foods are labeled healthy, quote-unquote, according to the agency. The definition, which was set in 1994, allows for food manuf manufacturers to add the word healthy to their products as long as the products have limited amounts of total fat, saturated fat, cholesterol, and sodium, and provide at least 10% of the daily value of one or more of the following nutrients, vitamin A, vitamin C, calcium, iron, protein, or dietary fiber. Seafood, game meat, and raw fruits and vegetables have slightly different criteria. <clears throat> In 2016, the FDA updated its guidelines to allow for some foods to contain more total fat and to include some that would provide at least 10% of their daily value of vitamin D or potassium. So to just kind of elaborate here real quick, um, I don't really understand why seafood, game meat, and raw fruits and vegetables would have a slightly different criteria. Um, when it comes to the amount of fat, saturated fat, or cholesterol and sodium, that picture is a little bit more complicated than most people would um, like to believe. It's not simply cholesterol in, cholesterol out, or saturated fat in, and your LDL goes up, and then you have a heart attack. Um, a lot of it really is genetic. Um, I did a carnivore diet for two and a half years, and my LDL cholesterol was always on the high end of normal or I think it was like 160, if I remember correctly, and the high end is 140. So not that far out of range. Now, some people, um, they are a lot more sensitive to cholesterol, and there's this hypothesis floating around by, um, I forget, Dave Feldman, who talks about the lean mass hyper responders, where people, their LDL cholesterol will skyrocket whenever they go on a low-carb or ketogenic diet. Um, I'm not an expert on lipids or anything like that, but... Um, it does seem to be that if you do have a higher LDL cholesterol, then you are perhaps predisposed to have an increased re risk of um, cardiovascular disease. But that's not what this podcast is about, just a little A side. Um, when it comes to saturated fat, a lot of people freak out about red meat, but it's actually only half of the fat that's in most steaks, from what I understand. Um, half of the fat is monounsaturated fat, and the other half is saturated fat. So if you have, let's say, a New York strip, which is 10 grams of fat, and 30 grams of protein, you're only getting five grams of saturated fat. So it's not, you eat a steak and then you have a heart attack, right? A lot of people think cholesterol clogs your arteries, but the picture is a lot more complicated than that. There's a lot more nuance. Um, crucially, there's no currently no limit on added sugars under the current definition and omission that the FDA believes is inconsistent with today's nutrition science. 
The old rule was really outdated. You created any kind of Frankenstein food that met the nutrition criteria and labeled it as healthy, said Dr. Darius Mazeferian. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that again. A cardiologist and a professor of nutrition at Tufts Friedemann School of Nutrition Science and Policy in Boston. This is a major advance. So to kind of go on to the sugar thing, there's a really cool article that Lane Norton had wrote um, elaborating how sugar didn't cause the obesity epidemic, and I don't believe it did either. Simply because when you look at all the studies where they use sugar and have people lose weight or whatever, generally people can still, actually not generally, people always do lose the same amount of weight when calories are controlled. Now, the problem with sugar is that it's not satiating at all, right? If you take a teaspoon of sugar and just eat it right now, you will feel no more. In fact, you might feel hungrier. Um, I ate one of these Buckeye brownies the other day. And they're, they're a, literally a half pound brownie and they are pure junk food, right? There's tons of fat, tons of carbs and very, very little protein, but they're just so delicious. I literally ate a half pound brownie and was still, it didn't feel like I ate anything at all, but it was over a thousand calories. So granted, I did budget that within my daily caloric um, budget, but I wasn't satiated from it at all. So that's something to remember when it comes to added sugars and even like seed oils and fats is that fats by themselves typically aren't very satiating, but the foods that come with, you know, fats like your meats typically are pretty satiating. So that's just kind of a little bit of a uh, side tangent to think about when it comes to consuming fats and added sugars. They're not inherently bad. They just give you a lot of calories without any satiation, which what we're looking for when we eat is to be satisfied and not be hungry after we eat. I mean, you know, <laughs> well, what else would you be eating food for other than, you know, to be satisfied and help build muscle and be prosperous or, you know, your occasional hedonistic pleasure, which is completely out there. We're not talking about that today. Um, the proposed rule, which the agency announced to coincide with Wednesday's White House Conference on Hunger, Nutrition, and Health, introduced a new limit on added sugars. In general, no more than 2.5 grams per serving, although this can vary depending on the food. It also restricts the amount of sodium to no more than 230 milligrams per serving and provides limits for saturated fat, which can similarly vary depending on the food, the FDA said. A six-ounce serving of yogurt, for example, would not qualify as healthy under the new rule if it contained more than 2.5 grams of sugar or 2.5 grams or 5.5% of the daily value of added sugars. A frozen dinner of salmon, green beans, and brown rice would not qualify as healthy if it contained more than four grams of saturated fat. I think this is a little silly because... Once again, you're looking at the overall protein and mixture in the, you want to limit um, added sugars, right? But you should still be getting sufficient protein within a meal. So I would consider salmon, green beans, and brown rice actually a pretty good meal. You're going to get a lot of healthy fats and you're going to have healthy carbohydrates in there as well. And you're going to get a good bolus of protein from the salmon. Um, I would consider that a healthy meal. I don't think the FDA should really be trying to put qualifiers on this because um, it's a lot more nuanced than just saying things are good or bad. And there are actually studies out there that show that people, when they have this kind of black or white mentality when it comes to food, they actually tend to binge more because you're creating this artificial barrier. And I know this from personal experience as well. When I thought, you know, having carbs was bad when I was carnivore, if I had a little bit, then it was okay. Well, I already fucked up. So we might as well just go, you know, balls of the walls and have everything under the sun.
What's going on, guys? Um, we're going to take a quick break from the show to tell you about these show sponsors and the way that you can support me and this podcast. Um, I'm sponsored by Axe and Sledge. Won't really focus in here, but uh, right here in my hand, I have their um, the grind, which is essential amino acids and hydration. Um, feel free to check it out. Um, this is your mom's sweet peach. They have some awesome flavors and awesome names. They also have multivitamins, fat burners, creatine, beta, beta alanine, um, all sorts of different supplements to help you get all jacked and tan and help you become a person more full of uh, liberty and health as this show is about. So um, if you want to support me and support this podcast, then feel free to go to axandsledge.com and check out um, all their great supplements there and use code Matovic10, that's M-A-T-O-V-C-I-K-1-0 at checkout for a little discount and to let them know I sent you their way. All right, everybody. Thanks. Now back on to the show. Reading on, the new definition aims to encourage healthy eating by prioritizing a mix of vegetables, fruits, grains, dairy, proteins, and certain oils, including vegetable oils. A quote-unquote healthy food would need to contain a minimum amount of at least one of those food groups and be under the proposal limited or the pro proposed limits for saturated fats, sodium, and added sugars. Raw whole fruits and vegetables would automatically qualify. Um, to add a little bit more nuance to this discussion as well, when it comes to sodium. The studies that were originally done that use um, the paint sodium as a bad guy were actually done on mice, giving them super ridiculous amounts of sodium that a normal person would never get throughout the day. And there's actually plenty of research now as well to show that there's a correlation with um, people's overall sodium intake into how long they live. And people who, it's like a U shaped curve, if I remember correctly. So, um, I don't think cutting out sodium is necessarily a good idea because your body literally does need sodium for every single process. And there's actually, you get increased blood volume when you take in more sodium. So what I like to do is actually have a little bit of salt, like in, you know, LMNT electrolytes in my pre-workout. So that way I increase blood volume. So there's more blood ready to go to the muscles whenever it comes time to work out. Um, once again, a little side tangent, but I feel like it's relevant. Um, those criteria will eliminate vast swaths of the supermarket from being eligible for the healthy logo, said Marion Nessel, a professor of nutrition, food studies, and public health at New York University. Many sugary cereals, granola bars, highly sweetened yogurts, white breads, might, which might certainly qualify as healthy under the existing definition, would be eliminated under the new rule. Um, I would think that's actually a step in the right direction, though, to be completely honest, because sugary cereals typically are branded as something healthy, but they're really not. You're literally just getting sugar and some flour essentially, and maybe a little bit of oil in the fats. Um, granola bars are generally just chocolate and granola and junk, really. Uh, there's no other way around it. So highly sweet yogurts, I feel the same way. White bread, um, I don't really necessarily feel as inherently bad. I actually think bread is a good food to eat if you can tolerate it and you don't have any kind of gluten allergy because I find bread to be very, very satiating. Um, and that's not to say that I think everybody should go out and eat an entire bag of bread, but within moderation and within your caloric budget, I think it's perfectly acceptable. But when it comes to the highly sweet yogurts, um, I would agree those should be taken out and you should opt in for more low fat or no fat yogurts, because I think those still taste pretty good and you're getting a lot of protein. So, um, we'll touch on this a little bit later in the show, but, uh, 
when it comes to processed foods, which highly sweet yogurts and some other foods may consider to be, we should look at processing as not necessarily inherently bad. We should look at it within, you know, with some nuance and say, is it processed to make it higher protein and more satiating? Or is it processed to make it, you know, with less protein and less satiating? Um, water, avocados, nuts and seeds, and fatty fish like salmon and certain oils, which do not currently qualify as healthy, could earn the distinction under the new guidelines. The new definition of healthy emphasizes whether food fits into a healthy dietary pattern overall, as opposed to just focusing on food's individual nutrients. Salmon, for example, which isn't considered healthy under the current definition because it's high in fat, would earn the new healthy distinction because it is rich in beneficial omega-3 fatty acids and protein and low in saturated fat and cholesterol. The FDA has been really behind the times when it comes to making stricter guidelines for these things, said Dr. Salvi, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that, an assistant professor of medicine at Johns Hopkins Medicine and diplomat of the American Board of Obesity. When I read this, I thought, okay, this is good. I was pleased. Typically, the FDA proposes a rule. The agency seeks commentary from outside health experts and the general public um, before the rule can go into effect, said Peter Lurie, executive director and the president of the Center of Science for Public Interest. The process can take a year or more, he added. Well, he, applause, he applauded some of the aspects of the proposed update, especially the limit on sugars. Dr. Lurie stressed that there is a fundamental problem with the label, which is with the current label would remain voluntary. Consumers might erroneously think that any foods without a healthy label are automatically unhealthy. It's not really helpful in that respect, he said. It allows the industry to decide what to convey to consumers as opposed to providing the consumer with what they would clearly want. Um, I think that's actually good commentary, and I would agree. The FDA shouldn't be in the business of monitoring and telling you which foods are healthy and are not healthy. What we should really try to strive for is to teach people to center more their diet around protein and getting a little bit more protein and encouraging healthy behaviors and understanding what foods provide you satiation and also not making such black and white rules around food. Because as I said earlier, when you make these black and white rules, what tends to happen is that people like to binge because they feel like if they fucked up and had something they weren't supposed to have, then it's just, oh, well, you know, let the wheels fall off the wagon. Let's go. Um, Instead, Dr. Lurie and others in the nutrition field are pushing for new standardized mandatory nutrition labels placed on the front of food packages, which the FDA is currently looking into. In the meantime, the agency hopes that an updated definition will help consumers make better dietary decisions to help lower the incidence of diet-related chronic diseases like cardiovascular disease and type 2 diabetes. More than 80% of people living in the United States aren't getting enough vegetables, fruit, and dairy in their diets, according to the FDA. There's been so much mixed messaging on what's healthy and what's not. Dr. Raja Pogel, go, whatever the hell it is, um, the average consumer just doesn't have a baseline. So let's stop the share real quick and I'll give you a little bit more commentary here. Um, so I, I do like the direction they're going in because they're beginning to include a little bit more fatty foods. And once more, with a little bit more nuance, I'm not a proponent of just guzzling down fat for the sake of fat because that fat has to go somewhere. And actually, um, a majority of the fat that you have on your body and that you will gain comes from dietary fat. Now, ketogenic um, diet advocates will say that when you take in fat, that you're burning more fat. While that is true, you're also storing more fat. And when you have carbohydrate, your body will burn carbohydrate preferentially, but you're going to no longer burn fat when you have carbohydrate. At the end of the day, it's still going to be calories in, calories out. And I'm not sitting here telling people, eat less, move more. You need to figure out what works for you and 
in my mind, that's going to be for most people, probably increasing protein a little bit and trying to get a little bit more activity throughout the day, which you could say eat less, move more, but I try not to say that to people because it's not very useful and people don't know what a caloric deficit looks like to them. So we should try and introduce them to eating healthier foods and trying to get more protein and just doing a little bit more walking after meals, right? And maybe resistance training two to three times a week where you hit every single muscle in your body at least two times a week, preferably. Now that's just my personal opinion and from what I understand of the research, but just these small steps can help people get moving in the right direction when it comes to their diet. So we'll go back to sharing the screen here and um, we're going to go over the standard American diet. So the standard American diet, what is it and where do we go next? So just to put a little bit of context to this, this is Dr. Kilt. He's a bit of a low carb advocate. We're not going to read this entire article, but um, we're just going to break down what the standard American diet looks like. And then we're going to also go into the uh, macronutrient um, content of it. And I'm going to show you how I would like it to be shaped and in order for people to have a little bit better of a diet. So what is the standard American diet? The standard American diet is a term used to describe the macro and micronutrient composition of the food Americans eat. It's based on a consensus of mainstream nutrition experts drawing on the data from the National and Nutrition Examination Survey, NHANES, which if you listen to a lot of nutrition and health podcasts, you'll hear them talk about the NHANES data. So the NHANES survey um, is an ongoing national study that surveys participating Americans about their diets. According to the 2017 to 2018 NHANES data, the average American adult eats 2,100 calories a day, 16% um, of those calories from protein, 47% are from carbohydrate, 36% are from fat, and 22% of all calories are from added sugars. That's pretty bad. And once again, I don't have a problem with sugar necessarily. My problem with sugar is that it's not satiating and you're getting a lot of calories for no nutrients or any added status, you know, satisfactory of, of the meal. So I want to show people what that looks like. So for those watching, once again, 2,100 calories a day, 16% from protein, 47 from carbs, 36% from fat and 22% of all calories from added sugars. So what that actually works out to, I have a graph pulled up here. Um, this is uh, Dr. Bill Sukala. Um, it's a macronutrient calorie and gram calculator. Excuse me. Um, so I entered in the total daily caloric intake at 2,100 calories, which is what um, they said is the average American's intake. 50% from carbs, 15% from protein, and 35% from fat. That's not exactly what the standard American diet is, but it's pretty close. So that works out to being 1,050 calories calories from carbohydrate, 315 grams from protein, and 735 calories from fat. Um, the grams would be 263 carbs, 79 protein, and 82 fat. So as you can see, protein is actually the lowest amount. Now, the problem with this is, is that the average person weighs a lot more than 79 grams well, why, or 79 pounds. So the next question should be, why does that matter? if they have an intake of 80 grams of protein a day. Well, the problem is you should be getting about a gram of protein per pound of body weight to help maintain bone structure, bone health, skin health, lean mass, and also protein is very satiating. And it's going to be the building blocks that you use to build more muscle. 
And when you have more muscle, you can actually eat more calories and expend more calories because your body has to use those calories to maintain said lean mass that we're referring to. So I don't like the way this pans out at all. This is why the standard American diet is bad because it's so low in protein and so high in carbs and fats. So now I'm going to give you what I would like to see at 2,100 calories a day. Now for me, if I were eating 2,100 calories a day, I would feel terrible because my maintenance calories are right around like 2,700 to maybe like 2,850. It's not a static number. It's going to change day in, day out with food that you eat and also the activity you do. So um, 2,100 calories a day, I'd be losing a lot of weight, which is fine if that's my goal. But right now, um, my goal isn't that I want to maintain. So 2,100 calories a day, what I would like to see is 30% of those calories coming from protein, 30% of those calories coming from fat and 40% coming from carbohydrates. Um, and you can change the carbohydrate and fat content to whatever your heart's desire is. If you like more fatty foods, more nuts, peanut butters, butters, um, more, you know, animal proteins that are on the fattier side, then you can just juggle those up, but you shouldn't adjust the protein number because you should be aiming for about one gram of protein per pound of body weight. So calories from each that works out to 840 calories from carbohydrate, 630 calories from protein and 630 calories from fat. That works out to 210 grams of carbs, 158 grams of protein and 70 grams of fat. For me, that protein would be a little bit low, but from what I understand um, of the research, as long as you're getting about 0.8 to one gram of protein per pound of body weight, you're going to get about 100% of the benefit of said protein that you're intaking. So if I had to adjust the standard American diet, I would just increase the amount of protein and uh, decrease the overall amount of carbohydrate and fat. And I think that would put people on their way to developing more muscle and also losing weight and overall improving the quality of their life and reducing the amount of you know disease that we see from um, overall diet quality. So uh, going back, you can look here. They have a real neat graph pulled from the British Medical Journals, I think it is. Um, according to a 2016 study in the BMJ, Americans get 58% of all calories from ultra-processed foods. Um, and as I was saying earlier, I don't necessarily think that ultra-processed foods are necessarily a bad thing by themselves. So to put this into context, let's think about protein powders. I'm a huge advocate for protein powders, and I consider that a whole food because this has, you know, all the amino acids in it, and generally they may have some um, different vitamins or stuff like that in it, but it's processed to reduce fat and carbohydrate and increase protein. That is a good thing because you're going to get, you know, a good anabolic stimulus or the signal to build muscle, build bone, and also be, you know, satiate you for not a lot of calories. Now, when it comes to, let's say, cookies, milkshakes, um, burgers with all sorts of high fat or high carb, high sugar sauces, then now we have a problem because now you're diluting the total amount of protein with the processing and you're adding a lot of carbs and fats. So this is where I think sugar and oils are harmful is because once again, you're getting a lot of calories and not a lot of satiation. Um, and that's not to say you can't consume these things. That's fine. But just realize that if you consume a lot of them, you're probably going to be hungrier and you may gain weight if you're eating too much of them. So continuing on here, they kind of lay out 
the um, food groups, the absolute calories a day relative, absolute, and it's it's actually pretty cool. So I, this will be in the show notes for everybody to check out. And make sure you kind of read it and breeze through it. I think it's pretty interesting. Younger Americans from age two to 19 eat less protein, 14% and more carbohydrate, 52%. In addition to the federal dietary guidelines, advisory committee analyzes the enhanced data and current nutritional research. It creates dietary guidelines for Americans. So the DGA or the dietary guidelines for Americans, the overall goal of the DGA is to advise people on what to eat and to promote good health and prevent disease. This is where the USDA food pyramid comes from. In the more recent my plate graphic, these guides are supposed to positively influence the standard American diet. The first DGA was released in 1980 and it gets updated every five years. The current 2020 to 2025 version hasn't changed much. It still advises Americans to eat less fat and more carbohydrates for good health, despite a great deal of research that contradicts that advice. So, um, from here on out, as I said earlier, this guy has a little bit of a low carb bias and I have no problem with that. It's just when you start to pin the blame on carbohydrates, it also, it misses the context that a lot of hyperpalatable foods actually have more calories from fat than they do of carbohydrates. And I've talked about this a lot, but that's kind of the problem with a lot of these foods is that when you have high carb, high fat, then the food is very, very easy to overconsume. So the DGA and the standard American diet, the DGA sets the ideals for what is a healthy eating or for what is healthy eating and then compares those ideals to the standard American diet. The DGA says that Americans should eat fresh fruits and vegetables, whole grains, lean protein, and healthy oils for good health. I would overall agree with that, but the way that it actually pans out in most people's diets, um, it doesn't really work out that way. Um, when the SAD is compared to this ideal SAD standing for standard American diet, the DGA says we eat too much saturated fat in the form of red meat and high fat dairy products, too much fast food, and too many refined carbohydrates, added sugars, salt, and overall calories. What's up, everybody? Um, we're going to take a quick break and tell you about the show's sponsors. Um, we are brought to you by Element T Electrolytes. I've been using this stuff for years, and what I've honestly found is that if I didn't have electrolytes before some kind of cardio, and sometimes even before workouts, that my workout performance, or definitely cardio performance, would suffer greatly. Um, Sodium is responsible for every single movement, pretty much, in your entire body. And let's say you drink a lot of caffeine, <laughs> like I like to do, then um, maybe it is a good idea, like I do every single morning, um, put some LMNT chocolate electrolytes um, there in your coffee to get a little bit more sodium, potassium, and uh, magnesium in your coffee so that way whatever diuretic effect you get from the caffeine is pretty much diluted by the fact that you put chocolate salt in it. Um, also, it tastes really, really good. Get some uh, chocolate creamer, hazelnut creamer, or even coconut. And uh, mix that all up. It tastes really, really good. So uh, yeah, make sure you drop by, go to drinklmnt.com slash inliberty and health and uh, pick you up some electrolytes today. All right, guys. Thanks. Um, I don't think we eat too much saturated fat because the average American eats about six ounces of red meat per day. So unless that's literally like beef belly or the fattiest brisket that you can find, I don't think that Americans are eating too much meat. If anything, they should probably increase the intake of meat, preferably leaner, so that way they would get more protein in their diet. Um, the, these less than ideal choices they report are why so many Americans suffer from the chronic diseases of obesity, heart disease, diabetes, and cancer. 
As we shall see, some of the DGA change charges are supported in scientific evidence, but not all. For instance, relying on fast food for most meals does increase calorie, salt, and sugar intakes substantially while reducing vitamin and mineral intakes needed for good health. This is especially true for younger Americans. However, the research shows that only about 37% of adults eat fast food regularly. In fact, as shown by the USDA Healthy Eating Index, a measure of diet quality, American adults make quote unquote, healthy food choice about 60 to 65% of the time. Um, if you go to your local Walmart, you'll see that that's probably not the case. That means for a majority of meals, Americans follow the dietary guidelines, yet the problem of chronic disease in the U.S. continues to worsen. Let's explore why this is the case. What the DGA gets wrong. The Nutrition Coalition, a respected group of dietary professionals, identifies the answer for the increase of chronic disease in America is rooted in the DGA's recommendation to eat less fat and more carbohydrates. They contend that the Dietary Committee has ignored research clearly indicating that too much dietary carbohydrate is the main cause for the current health problems plaguing Americans. Now, once again, this is where you can see a low-carb bias coming up because they're blaming carbohydrates only. And I don't think it's just carbohydrates that cause the obesity epidemic. Where is, show me somebody who's, who just can't stop eating fruit and became obese by eating oranges and apples. You, you're not going to find it. You know why? Because actually... Carbohydrates are very, very satiating. Strawberries, a pound of strawberries, 140 calories. That is a lot of food for not a lot of, or for not a lot of calories. Oranges are actually one of the most satiating foods as well. Um, a plain white potato is actually the most satiating food. These are all carbohydrates, but the nuance that gets lost on people is that when you dump butter and salt and sour cream on top of a uh, potato, then now you can't stop eating it. Or if you fry a uh, potato in oil, like we do with French fries or potato chips, then guess what? Now you can't stop eating them. And they're designed specifically to do that. Um, they recommend that a low-carbohydrate diet would be healthier for the American population, especially when considering that 60% of Americans already suffer from metabolic disorders. Metabolic disorders refer to the disruptions in the normal processes of breaking down food into nutrient parts, fat, protein, sugar, vitamins, and minerals. High intake of carbohydrates is the primary factor for many of these disorders. Interestingly, a recent research published of, on the safety of, and health effects of low-carbohydrate diets strongly support this conclusion. Yet the DGA committee chose to largely ignore these studies as they debated the 2015 and 2020 guideline publications. So the current MyPlate graphic shows that the DGA still recommends that most Americans get most of their calories from plant-based carbohydrates. Um, and for those not looking, there's a picture of a circle. And in the top right corner, it says fruits. And the right side, it's about a quarter of the plate, says grains. The lower portion says protein and then the biggest portion in the bottom left says vegetables and there's a little circle on the side of dairy which i'm assuming they would say like some kind of milk or something like that um in all honesty i don't really see too too many issues with this i would maybe reduce the amount of grains and increase the amount of protein but really if you were to have a meal with let's say a flat iron steak which would take up that uh, protein part let's say a pound of strawberries or something like that and then maybe some potatoes, sweet potatoes, what have you. And then maybe a glass of milk or something like that. I really don't see that as much of an issue. I think that's actually a well-balanced and a good meal. 
So continuing on, a shift away from low-fat recommendations. To their credit, the DGA committee did finally admit the low-fat diet they had been pushing for years was not supported scientifically. They also relaxed recommendations for consuming less cholesterol, and they admitted that there was no appreciable relationship between dietary cholesterol and blood cholesterol levels. In an article for the New York Times, Nina Teichel's director the Nutrition Coalition writes, Americans, it seems, had needlessly been avoiding egg yolks, liver, and shellfish for decades. Teichel's concern over the DGA experts got our dietary advice wrong for someone calls into question the current DGA's advice. So standard American diet fast facts. The USDA dietary guidelines for Americans defines the standard American diet as being low in fresh fruits and vegetables, whole grains, lean protein, healthy oils, and too high in red meat, high fat dairy products, and processed and fast foods. Uh, refined carbohydrates, added sugars, salt, and calories. The SAD was not the diet human evolved eating. And that's kind of appeal to nature, which eh, you, you could debate all day what we really evolved eating. Um, for hundreds of thousands of years, all humans were hunter-gatherers who ate fatty meats supplemented with low-nutrient plant foods. The SAD is not compatible with our genetic heritage. Um, eh, the human body is pretty resilient. And really, you could see vegans who are thriving. And I mean, this is my bias speaking. I'm against plant-based diets. Um, eating a standard American diet is a root of, or is a root cause of the diseases of civilization. Diseases of civilization include heart disease, diabetes, cancer, infertility, mental health issues, and other metabolic diseases. Um, a solution to the health problems introduced by the standard American diet may be to adopt a low-carb diet high in whole animal-based foods. Um, I'm not going to read too much more into this. Actually, we'll probably close it out here because... Um, like I said, I just don't think there's much more use in this. Um, so overall, I think the improvements are good and it's good that they also removed the recommendations around cholesterol because the whole idea around saturated fat causing heart disease is true to a degree, but it's much more nuanced than just cholesterol and cholesterol out. So it's good that they're including more foods to be healthy, but we should also be careful of how these foods are marketed and also telling people that like, this is a good food, this is a bad food can once again, create a lot of unhealthy relationships with food. I would like to see people take more of a morally neutral stance when it comes to food and not looking at things so black and white or things as good or bad, because once again, that can create binge eating disorders. It can really just give people a bad idea and a bad relationship with food. So my thoughts in kind of what I want people to take away from this would be that you should try to eat less processed foods that are processed in a way that makes them hyper palatable and increase the amount of fat and carbohydrate in it and try to avoid added sugars, right? I think that's a good takeaway there. And also increase your protein and try to walk after meals. Um, those are just a few kind of suggestions that I always pose to people. I feel like people, when they talk to me about health and nutrition, they're expecting me to like give them a whole litany of stuff to just go off and do, but I don't feel like that's helpful. I think what's helpful is starting at the lowest, you know, bar, um, and kind of helping them along the way and seeing how they're pro you know, how they do and how they overall improve the quality of their life with just changing up the small things. And then if you want to start working out more or maybe increasing the amount of protein that you're eating and then increase the amount of protein feedings, then we can do that down the line. But the main focus should be just to get healthy. If you're overweight, then let's try to get the excess weight off you slowly, but not, um, not unreasonably fast, not unreasonably slow either, because if you go too slow, then what can happen is that you can kind of not see the process. You, you, you don't see the results you want to see. Um, 
so yeah, make sure you guys like, subscribe, and share. If you have any questions about anything, feel free to shoot me a message. Um, I am at Kyle, K-Y-L-E-M-A-T-O-V-C-I-K on Twitter. Um, I have a strike on my YouTube channel as the time of recording this and when this airs. So make sure you um, look up me on Rumble and Odyssey and follow me on all audio platforms as that's where I'll be. And um, once again, just thanks everybody for listening. Make sure you check out the sponsors. And uh, until next time, everybody, take care. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.